I can't wait till we're uh, Outdoor Voices. Sponsor, you have a chance to uh, sponsor an episode of Shlomo the Semi Pro. Just reach out. And with that, we are live. Welcome to season 2022. 20, Here's my question, though. This is. Is this football season upcoming? Being, I'm being dead serious. This is 2022, not 2023, correct? That'd be correct. That is correct. Even though the Super Bowl will be played in 2023. That is correct. I always get very confused with did that. Did you see what the Same. Commanders did to their uh, their logo? No. They had their crest, mm -hmm. and they put the years that they won the Super Bowl, which was the following year from the season. <laughs> and so they went back and yep. edited that so that it was the, the season year within there. In the NBA, it actually is like somewhat controversial slash tough to read because i think it, there's a dash in every year correct correct it's just crazy to me. right uh welcome thank you for tuning into another episode it's been a hot minute one of us and by one of us i mean by yeah well, i guess technically one of us it would uh, just be one of us it's <laughs> <laughs> not more uh had a baby is now a father so congrats danny how Thanks. it's been a month and a couple days yeah uh going on five weeks tomorrow uh which let's, is exciting let's so go. Uh, yeah, it's been been a whirlwind, been a lot of fun. Um, cool to see a kid grow up, but uh, ready to get back and talk some football. And and we're right around combine time right now, so yes, there's we a are. lot going on in the football world Getting at this the moment. Juices flowing. Uh, we have another special guest this week. He can, he's probably he's probably just going to be a guest from now on. I was going to say it's yeah, probably it's pretty, turning more into a regular. Yeah, thing than might have to change the right? name. <laughs> uh, we'll we'll do some uh, brainstorming there. Chris Rockford, how are you doing? I'm doing great uh always happy to be here with you guys um ready to talk some ball this is a your, uh, very important off season you're engaged i am that's new news Getting married this summer yes congratulations Sweet. yes sir we got what do we got four five months four months four months holy yeah. mackerel that's coming up it's coming up v quick <sighs> v v quick uh all right well uh, if you're new to the show it is shlomo and the semi-pro my name is todd hebrew name is shlomo danny's a semi-pro he played semi professional sports throughout his collegiate career, uh, multi-faceted multi athlete pretty much. And uh, I just like to think I have knowledge for every sport invented. Wow. That's, that's a big... Uh, pretty good synopsis of the yeah, show. Yeah, that's, that's about it. Yeah, we like to take you know things lighthearted. Don't want to get too intense on this show. Uh, we'll, I'll try to mask my vulgarity, and we'll go from there. No shouting. It's gonna to be tough today, but it's gonna to be tough. There's some, there's some, there's uh, some sore, yeah, <laughs> points in here where I have I become slightly emotional, but it's okay. Starting off, we're gonna go with our hometown squad of the Minnesota Vikings, and we're all pretty much kind of bleed purple and gold here, and then we will get into mock draft stuff slash free agency and what we would like to see from our hometown team and how uh, certain players fit with diff different schemes around the league. Vikings have a new head coach, a new general manager, and a massive overhaul on the coaching staff. Pretty much everybody's gone except for, I believe, wide receiver coach and a couple others in there. Um, first things first, gentlemen, what are our thoughts on the new hire? Was it, are we excited for the new change in regime? Was it time? And what are we uh, most, I guess, excited to see out of the new team? I'm, I'm excited. I think I, from the beginning, I mean, let's go back and, and we'll talk, you know, end of the season rolls around. Uh, there was a lot of chatter about the future of, of the Vikings, specifically the future of Mike Zimmer as, as the head coach. And a lot of that stemmed from the fact that he, you know, had 
they created a great roster and just had not been able to get over the hump of uh, succeeding throughout the playoffs. Uh, that, uh, you know, Minneapolis miracle year was great. Uh, you lose then to Philadelphia and you don't get a chance to play uh, the Super Bowl in, in your home stadium then. Uh, and since then, they haven't been able to get back to that point and, and compete for, for that. And a lot of that comes, you know, well, all of it comes right after you bring in Kirk Cousins as well. Uh, and so there was a lot of chatter about is is it Kirk is it Zimmer what necessarily is that? So from the end of the season, I from the start was surprised that Spielman was let go as well. Uh, I suspected it to be Zimmer. You allow Spielman to uh, you know bring someone else in, try that out. When it's all said and done, though, I think what the ownership saw is the two team leaders not communicating. Mm-hmm. And and all the reports that were coming out is basically that these two kind of had a broken relationship towards the end of their their tenure here in Minnesota, and so I'm excited that there's a new um, you know foundation in this organization brought in with Kevin O'Connell as the head coach uh, and Quasi Dofomensa as as the general manager, and and I think both of these guys um, on the younger side, I guess if you want to say that, but. I think what we're seeing now is this is really becoming the norm where teams, much like they try and find their franchise quarterbacks and their franchise left tackles, they want their franchise head coach and and general managers where you bring guys in that can build this team, create a culture around this team. And and it's definitely a turning point for the Vikings. Uh, I'm especially excited about Kevin O'Connell, I think. Mm -hmm. Uh, His, the offensive mind, I love the approach that we're going there. Our offense has been the, you know, the biggest uh, proponent of this team, the, the biggest help for this team Correct. in winning games because the defense has suffered so much. So bring the offensive coach in, continue to coach that up, and then allow someone else to uh, step in, help out with the defense, get that all sorted with with Ed Donatel coming in as the defensive coordinator. Mm-hmm. Chris, uh, one thing I'll say to uh, to Danny's point is. I think it was you knew it was time for a multitude of reasons, but the main thing was you have a you had a defensive head coach who our team defense was brutal. Mm-hmm. So once you have your strength not becoming not being your strength, you really need to reevaluate things. Um, what would you from Kevin O'Connell coming in here? Would you expect that we have a more dynamic passing game, or do you think he with having a Dalvin Cook, he has to reevaluate how he looks at the offense and how he kind of runs things? Yeah, I think uh, what you saw with the Rams is you really you really want to marry those two things. Um, I think you're definitely going to see more more passing um, than you were typically seeing with the Zimmer offense. Sure. Um, I think one thing that stands out is um, at the end of last year we were losing to Green Bay on the road. I think we we're down by about ten at halftime, and, and Zimmer still said we need to run the ball or establish the run to come out, you know, in the second half and. I think you you won't see those types of decisions or that that type of coaching, you know, coming from Kevin O'Connell. I think, um, you know, he wants to use the running game to create explosive plays in the passing game. Yep. And if you're only gonna, um, you know, if the running game's not working, I think you'll see him bail on that pretty quickly mm-hmm. and you know use the passing game to to move the ball. And I think that's okay too. I think you know there's that old school mentality of we have to pound the rock, we have mm-hmm. to get you know, uh, assert our dominance over the defense. And O'Connell even kind of said it in his opening presser that there is some of that that you still want to be able to do. You mm-hmm. still want that confidence in your O-line. 
Uh, you know, old linemen love to run the ball, but I think, you know, exactly your point, Chris, where if it's not working, stop doing it. Right. You can abandon it. And that is okay. You know, if, if the defense is taking it away, it's okay to move on from that. And he even mentioned later on about a Todd Bowles coach defense, uh, who's defensive coordinator down in Tampa, they are going to take away the run. Right. You can try and game plan ahead of time and try it out in the first and second quarter. And if it's not working, don't just beat a dead horse. Yeah, right. Do different things. You have uh, an offense that's explosive with many different players. You can move Dalvin outside and, and use him in, in pass games or quick screen games. But if you're going to run the ball just to run the ball, uh, there's no point in doing that if it's not working. And that's you know exactly what you said. I'm excited that O'Connell uh, knows, or at least what we've seen in his offenses, is that they will abandon it. Uh, and typically, then you pull the defense back, and that helps you open back up the run a little bit. Right. Yeah. And one more thing I wanted to add about the running game is is why it's so important is also, you know, you have to think about the personnel that you have. Mm-hmm. Obviously, we have a really good running back. And um, I would say, you know, with, with the Bengals as well, with us, um, you know, there's been – our pass blocking hasn't been good in recent years. Correct. So in order to protect your linemen, in order to protect your quarterback who is not very mobile, sure. you need to run the football. You need to get those linemen downhill and not always, mm-hmm. you yep. know – in pass blocking situations, mm-hmm. um, especially against a, a defense that is really good at rushing the passer. So yep. it's to protect your quarterback, it's to protect your offensive linemen. And then obviously you want to get one of the best players on your team, Dalvin Cook, involved. So. Yeah. And speaking of the Bengals, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but in the Super Bowl, Joe Mixon was playing quite well. Mm-hmm. He had, I think he was, I think averaging maybe four and a half, five yards a carry. And for some reason they went away from him. Um, but they obviously, I, th- I don't know if, if it was maybe the Aaron Donald thing in the second half, they quit doubling him, and then he obviously wrecked havoc. But uh, it's the ability to adapt during the game as well. Your game plan is, I think, crucial, mm-hmm. and that's something that Zimmer was not very good at. Right. He had a more of a traditional mentality of like, guys, I've been doing this for years, specifically on defense. Like, I know what will work. I know it will work. We just got to believe in it. And it it didn't work. Um, and on offense, to your point, like if something's not working – you have to be able to be like, hey, like this game is going to be different. Mm-hmm. Let's talk at half or talk mid-court and be like, okay, let's abandon the run. What can we go to instead? And that's not something that the previous regime uh, was successful at, at all. Um, and so each defense and each opposition will give you different holes to kind of, whether it's in the run game or the pass game, you got to take advantage of their weaknesses, um, which is obviously comes down to the game plan and so on and so forth. So I think with the younger, I, I don't know, for some reason I associate younger with kind of creativity and more open-mindedness. I think it's um, more the open-mindedness. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I will add to that though. I mean, yeah, that comes with the younger piece. I'm excited about Ed Donatel though, yeah. because he's also sure. mentioned that, you know, he's older, he's 65 mm-hmm. uh, coming in as a defensive coordinator. But he's also mentioned how he has kept an open mind. He's allowed for, you know, this different way of looking at the game. It's It, it allows you to be a better football coach if you're open-minded and, and open to those new ideas that people want to bring in. And so even though, yes, that's maybe more of a young-minded approach to the game, mm-hmm. if you bring in experienced guys that have seen it in, you know, throughout the league and, and you know, Donatel has been a DC since 2000 when he was with the Packers, he was with the Bears for a bit, most recently with Denver. Uh, you know, he's a guy that is is open to new ideas and, and bringing that in and and meshing the new with the old and finding out what works best for our guys. 
And it's not always going to be an old school mentality. Sometimes it might have to be a new school, new way of looking at football mentality to it. I wanted to add, though, I mean, around this idea of open mindedness, open mindedness and kind of this younger um, coaching staff, the guy that I think I might be most intrigued about, and there is not a lot of information out there about this guy. The Vikings brought in Ryan Cordell as their pass game specialist mm-hmm. slash game management coordinator. Now, this is someone that is going to be on O'Connell's staff to basically manage that the, the gamification of football mm-hmm. and when you can call timeouts, when you go for two, when you do all those different things. And that's something that fans and media you know, harped on Zimmer that he did not do a, a good job of, of, of managing games, especially later in, in halves and, and at the end of the game. So I'm super excited to see Cordell. It'd be interesting to, to learn more about him. He comes from the Browns uh, most recently, but someone that they can, you know, along that kind of younger, um, you know, approach to the game, someone they can really rely on when it's later in the halves uh, at the end of games to kind of see, hey, what should we do in these situations? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think more voices, the better, right? And if you got a co- coach and a GM who are willing to listen, and actually listen when you're talking and not just, you know, say, Hey, let's, let's chat in order to just like hear a voice. And because that's formality, like you need someone who is willing to have something in mind and be able to say, you know what, I actually think you are, what your stance is, is maybe a little bit better. So I'm going to skew my perspective. And Mm -hmm. that takes uh, a lot of humbleness and someone who, I don't know, I, for some reason, I'm just emotional when it comes to Zimmer and I don't think he, went about things the correct way. And I think he was just all about himself at the end of the season slash just last season specifically. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, it gave me kind of a sour taste. In my yeah, mind. I mean, that's how, that's how you get the best out of your players. So they get yeah. the most out of your players is if, exactly. if you're coaching and, and the players know that you're, you're hearing what they're saying and they have a voice in what they're going to be doing and, and um, they're not just, you know, taking orders from you essentially, mm-hmm. you know, yep. that's how you're going to get the most out of the players. And that's how, you know, you get to, that's how you get labeled as a player's coach. For sure. At the end of the day. Yep. Uh, all right. Well, we, let's just start this, start this thing off, I guess, with the biggest question mark of the team. And that, that thing it's our quarterback position, right? Kirky. Mm-hmm. Uh, I am a Kirk. I like Kirk cousins. Um, unfortunately at the end of the day, I'll, players are a cap hit and no matter how nice of a person they are, how well they do for the community is they, your team only has so much money to spend. So Kirk is getting paid. His cap hit this year is $45 million. And then he's a free agent. He's under contract for one more season. With that being said, I don't think you have a new coaching staff come in place that will want a rookie quarterback slash a free agent quarterback. So therefore, I think he'll be on our team. Mm-hmm. The question mark comes: what, what what happens after the season? Does he take a slight pay cut? Does he d- want just a ton of money? So we have to trade him? Do we just let him loose? Mm-hmm. What uh, ideally, what do you want for this team? So I I think you first let's start with this year. Uh, to your point, the rookies coming in, the free agent quarterbacks that are out there. There is not a quarterback out there that is going to do a better job leading this team than Kirk Cousins is, in my opinion. This year. This year. Yeah. You see, have you seen those Jameis Winston workout videos? <laughs> Come on. Dude, those are really funny. So those, those are I, awesome. I think with with this year, just, just solely this year, 
Kirk Cousins is going to be the Vikings quarterback. Now, I think the the question mark comes, you know, because he's only under contract for this year, do you put an extension out there and then maybe look at moving on from him after this year and you trade him at that point? Because if you just move on from him after this year, you don't have a backup plan necessarily in place and you are pushing this out maybe one more year, this conversation about Kirk one more year, which that's fine. But if he's just gone, you get nothing for him. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I think he's the QB for this year. I could see some sort of extension coming, mm-hmm. uh, but there in I have zero confidence that Kirk would take a pay cut. He's going to get his money, um, which I, I mean, he, he deserves it. He, he should. I think it's, you know, can you do that in a way like what Tom Brady used to do? And you, you turn a bunch of it into an initial signing bonus. Uh, you take less of a cap hit. Uh, ways that you can create, you know, money within the cap. And, and we all kind of know that the cap is super flexible in, mm-hmm. in how you move the money around. And uh, Rob Brzezinski, who's, uh, you know, really the, the Vikings cap guru, He'll be able to find those ways. So I think as you look at this year, Kirk's the guy. Can you find ways for that cap hit to go down so that you can bring in other positions of need, uh, specifically the offensive line and, and some of the secondary spots as well? So yeah. I, you know, for the future, I think that's a conversation for another day until we really see what happens with with the extension or, or what they decide to do pre-draft here uh, throughout the free agency period. Um but I think it's hard. You you have to bring that cap number down. Yep. Would you agree with that? Absolutely. Um, I think, you know, we've had conversations outside of the podcast and, and the biggest thing has always been for me is it's, it's not the player. It's, it's the number. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. I think we'd all agree that, you know, more than, more than half the teams in the league would, would, you know, welcome Kirk Cousins as their quarterback, yeah. but just not at, the, the number that, that he's he's asking for. And I kind of agree with Danny. Um, I think, or at least my preferred, you know, uh, scenario or scenarios to this would be, um, I mean, I would first see what you can get in the trade market. Um, if there's not a trade out there that you think is uh, fair value for what, you know, Kirk Cousins does offer your team, I would, I'd like to see him be our quarterback for this year. And then that gives you another year to, you know, kind of evaluate what you have as a roster Um, because you're coming into a a brand new team. Um, You've watched film, but you haven't seen how these guys work. You don't, you don't know them, you know, on a personal level and you don't, uh, you're not with with them in practice every day to really know um, what you have. So I think this year in in many ways can be viewed as an evaluation year for a lot of the roster. Um, we know that the roster has, you know, underperformed the last couple of years, it's been injured. Um, so I think, you know, you can really see what you have as a roster and then kind of use this year, um, to figure out what you want with, uh, at the future or, you know, in the future at the quarterback position and then not have to kind of mortgage the future or give that extension that Kirk wants. I was just going to say, and that's a super good point. I, I want to go over the uh, the roster here, and that's a really good transition because I think the more I think about this and the more we chat, like this is a very much of a quote unquote. I think it's going to be a film room year, and by that I mean you like KOC, Questy can watch all the film they want, but 
they need a they need a year to see what they have with this team the way they want to run it right mm-hmm. and so players fit schemes really well and it depends on what if whatever they're running we're switching our defense up the offense is going to look completely different so what players fit into what they're trying to do um just looking at a handful of players we have signed through the next two seasons okay so this upcoming obviously in the next we have daniel hunter eric kendricks michael pierce ezra cleveland dj wanham Garrett Bradbury, I hesitated on because I don't know. I think the answer is we, we have an answer on Garrett Bradbury, in my opinion, but we'll see. Maybe they want to give him a shot. Maybe they're going to utilize him in a different role. Um, and then obviously players like Justin Jefferson, um, I mean, Kellen Mond, whatever, uh, Harrison Smith, Dalvin are all signed through 2026. But my point basically is I think it's a year of what do we have? Mm-hmm. We have big, we have solid names. I don't think if you're in the crowd of, hey, let's trade Kirk, let's ride Kirk out, and then we'll get a good quarterback in the draft. Like with this team right now, I, I really don't believe, maybe it's just biased because I live here, but I don't think you're going to be able to lose as many games as you want to to get a like a high draft pick and be able to draft the franchise quarterback. Maybe you trade up for that, but I don't think this roster is going to allow you to lose. 10 11 games well and that and that's what the ownership group has said they don't yeah. want to lose games yeah. they think it's it's you know kind of the term soft rebuild was thrown out there yep. but they don't even view it as as a rebuild it's mm-hmm. we're just bringing in a couple different changes and pieces that's going to push this team from a brink of a playoff team to a contending playoff team um, ultimately to a, a super bowl contender and you're, you know, the, the, the coaching staff, Questy, they're not using this upcoming year, you know, as you were kind of talking about that, you know, film room kind of deal. That's happening now. That can't wait until this year. Sure. Because you have to figure that out now. If your ownership group has brought you in mm-hmm. to win games, you're not going to go an entire year to say, hey, let's look at what we have. Let's see. No, you do that now. Mm-hmm. But and can then you make those decisions with 100%. Yeah, Without absolutely. For sure. You have to. That That's why they're in those positions. You have to do that right now because you need to figure out what do we need to bring in as, as uh, you know, free agents? Who do we need to keep around? The thing is you are basically looking at, and it's the same as, as how you would scout someone from a, a college team, mm-hmm. how you would bring someone in, into your area. These coaches are, are scouting the players to fit in their system. If they say three weeks from now that Anthony Barr doesn't fit in their system, Kwesi and, and Rob Brzezinski, they're not going to offer a contract for 22. They're going to let him go. Agreed. And so those those conversations and that film room time is happening now, and they're scouting for this year's team to be able to say, do we need to move on from Garrett Bradbury? Is he someone that we have to trade? Mm-hmm. Uh, do we keep Kirk around? Is he someone that's going to fit this system, or do we need to trade him now and probably incur $25 million in a cap hit mm-hmm. you know, in, in that way. But all of that's going to happen now. And then during the season, yeah, you probably have guys like a Justin Jefferson, Dalvin, Eric Kendricks, you know, Daniil maybe, that um, you, you can maybe move on from some of those names, but you definitely want to keep those young core guys. But that's where you can kind of make those longer-term mm-hmm. uh, decisions during the season. Sure. I guess my point from where I was coming from is kind of trans- – like with the draft in mind, you have a lot of guys that are 
have shown some potential, but also you have guys who we drafted literally last year who potentially who were not given chances. Yeah. So that has to do with the draft and like, oh, are you going to draft an interior offensive line incredibly early mm-hmm. when you have like a Wyatt Davis who right. has no? Wait, we drafted him in I think the third round. Mm-hmm. And he's mm-hmm. out of Ohio State. Um, so I guess my point is, you have your big names who obviously you have to make a decision. You kind of have seen a bunch of film on them, but. Guys like guys who haven't really been given the spotlight, you need to see what they have. And that doesn't scare me, but the worst thing possible, not the worst thing, you, you draft somebody because you don't realize you have a like kind of a decent starter yep. mm-hmm. in who hasn't been given a shot. Right. Um, so I think they're like a Chaz Surratt is another interesting name. Yep. Like who the heck knows what he's made right. of? Yep. Uh, Kellen Mond, yeah, that whole Zimmer thing of what we've seen in practice, that scares me a little bit. Um, Cameron Bynum, is he... Could he be a, a fill-in starter? Uh, he, sh- he showed some, you know, decent spots yeah. last year. Well, and, and he's a guy where Xavier Ward's going to be a, a free agent here. Yeah. Can Bynum just be that starting safety? I yeah. think all of us, as, as we've had offline conversations about, you know, potential safeties to bring in, mm-hmm. whether that's through free agency, through the draft, I think you could, that's where you can look at film of Cam Bynum last year and say, okay, is he going to fit what we want to do? Is, yeah. is this a Donatel safety along with Harrison Smith? Um, and, and Harrison has signed, you know, a ways out, but his cap hit, you know, over the next few years jumps from 13 to 17 to 17 up to 20, mm-hmm. um, of a cap hit then. So mm-hmm. do you say, do we bring in a safety and eventually trade Harrison or move on from, from that where now you get super young on the back end, you lose those vets that you've had throughout that Zimmer, mm-hmm. uh, you know, tenure. Do you, yeah. do you, I was just going to add one more yeah. thing. That's, that's interesting. Obviously with a new regime coming in. Um, you know, like Quasi and the Cleveland Browns front office, and then you bring in Donatel from Denver, and you have other defensive coaches that are coming from Denver and other spots. It's interesting to see what their scouting departments or their scouting teams from those organizations mm-hmm. thought of the players that we brought in. Sure. Are they high on certain players and less yep. high on, on other players that potentially wait? we are higher on? Yep. So that really could come into play with, to your point, they need to make decisions now. So maybe they already have high opinions of Cam Bynum, or maybe they have lower yep. opinions of Chas Surratt, and they're yep. just going to move off those guys right away and trade them for whatever they can get. Yep. So, you know, it, it's it's different perspectives coming in that may already have formed opinions on those guys from doing their homework for those drafts or mm-hmm. for last year's draft. So that could be an interesting um, aspect to it, too. That's a good point. Yeah, like if, if Kwesi is sitting in his office last year and we draft Chaz and he's like, Whoa, that that's, a, a that's a reach. Right, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Something like that, here. you know? Yeah. What is, uh, do you guys take, uh, like, their words right now with a grain of salt with everything, like, I've heard, you know, we've all seen the tweets of, like, oh, we love Ezra. Mm-hmm. I remember that specifically because they used the word love, and I thought that was a little extreme, but, hey, maybe they do love Ezra. Um, they talk about how Daniil fits in their through the 3-4 scheme. Like, yep. are we... Are they saying, do we believe them? Or like, well, Daniil, are they looking at Daniil as, hey, we're, we really want to keep this guy around. He's only on contract for two years, so we want to sign him to extension. Or is it, hey, they're going to say things, and then they're going to go back in their bunker and kind of solve it? For me, it's like a it's a feel-out period. I, I take kind of everything at face value or with a grain of salt. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, this is my first time or our first time hearing them talk, talk publicly. Yeah. And, and make these kind of statements about personnel and roster. So it's really hard to know um, what you can take lightly, what you can take, you know, mm-hmm. very seriously. So, mm-hmm. 
you know, until they start making some decisions and then looking back on some of the quotes they had, um, if there were tells or, you know, if they, they were, you know, clearly making smoke screens or, or blowing smoke, mm-hmm. um, when they, when they said certain stuff, it's, it's hard to get a feel for what their personality is and, um, what you can read into as far as what they're saying publicly about their roster. I think the other thing to it is I, I would hundred percent agree with that. It's, it's, you, you just take that face value. I mean, we can look back in, in five months and, oh, you were super high in Ezra and all of a sudden, you know, he's a member of the Miami Dolphins, you know. Right. Um, what it also allows, though, is, I mean, you, you kind of want to be high on your guys and talk up the guys that you have going into it just to, 100%. you know, create yep. the culture and say, There's hey, no we, we believe in you and, sure. and we want you to be a part of this team. And on the flip side of that, you can also talk guys up and new coaching staff comes in uh, you know, if, if, if Clint Kubiak was super high on, you know, Ezra Cleveland as, as a guard, does he now want to say, Hey, uh, and he's in Denver now, is that mm-hmm. right? Yep. So, Hey, Denver, we right. really like Ezra. Yep. I know that they're high in him, but I think he's a guy that we need to go after. He's going to fit our scheme super well here. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, as he's an offensive assistant out there. So there's a little bit of, you know, you kind of talk up their value too. And, and if, if they came in and just said, Oh, Daniel's not going to work in this team, this, that, whatever, we have to trade him. Mm-hmm. Teams aren't going to come at him with a, a great right. offer because yeah. they know, hey, you want to get rid of him anyway. You know, I'm only going to give you a second round pick, and, and that's all you're going to get for him. Sure. You know, yep. uh, and so I, you kind of play it both sides. It's, it's creating a culture. It's it's believing in guys off the bat, uh, but then as you begin to feel things out, figure out what the future of of that player actually is on your team, and that'll happen later in OTAs throughout the summer before training camp. That's when you really actually understand who's a part of this team. Uh, you know, are they going to be a future of this team as, as they move into, you know, this fall, really? The culture point is a super, I'm very happy that we have a different type of culture, a younger culture, and one that seems to be a lot more hospitable to the players, because some of the rumors that are coming out uh, regarding the last couple of years in Zimmer's tenure, it's just seemed to be a very, uh, really kind of a hostile environment. Sure. And which that, that kind of makes me sad because, you know, I like people conversing and everyone, the more I think chemistry is, a, it really is a huge thing. And the mm-hmm. more the players like to be around the coaches and vice versa, the more they're going to communicate and communication just, I think, uh, breeds success. Um, so with that being said, we have quite a few players under contract uh, for the next few years that are big names. My question for you two gentlemen, what players uh, this is kind of, I mean, you might have to think about this for a sec, but what players and names would you like to see stay? And what players do you think we could take advantage of their current skill set and value and get a quote unquote uh, good haul back for them? I think uh, I'll start just in kind of in the trenches uh, and kind of go out from there. So, guys that I, I want to see stay um, on the offensive side of the ball uh, Ezra. Christian Derisaw and Brian O'Neill. I think with those three guys, uh, you can find or build or uh, you know coach up other players to fill out that offensive line. I think that's obviously as it's been a um, a talking point for the last number of years that Vikings offensive line needs to get fixed. Mm-hmm. But with those three guys, I'm very confident that for the next you know seven years, you have three spots that you don't have to worry about. And so that's why, you know, I get excited about that. Staying on the offensive side, Justin Jefferson, uh, obviously would like to keep him. 
And then I would say really to me, Dalvin is up in the air. I think he's one where I don't see getting rid of him this year or next. Beyond that, though, we see running back health decline. We see you know all these different things. Dalvin doesn't play entire seasons either. I mean, he, he has not played a full season for the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. So that's really hard to see. Um, so essentially you've got the three linemen and Justin Jefferson beyond that on the offensive side, I'm, I'm good with whatever Irv has was drafted, brought in as a tight end. Hopefully you want to keep him, but he was hurt. I don't really know what it's going to look like. You know, last year was kind of supposed to be that breakout year for him, what it's going to look like this year. Mm-hmm. Defensive side of the ball, Eric Kendricks, I'd say is the only one. Mm, wow. uh, maybe DJ Wanham too. I think uh, I do like Wanham. I think Daniil is, is an incredible trade asset. Mm-hmm. I think he's someone that you could take advantage of. If, if they don't view him as, uh, you know, a starting, obviously he's a starting piece. That's, that's not what I mean by that. But if they don't view him as, as a guy that's going to um, make up for his $26 million cap hit, mm-hmm. if you can move on from that, get some assets, bring different guys in, you know, if you've got Wanham and then you bring in, you know, like an Ojabo or, um, you know, a, a Thibodeau Jermaine, or one Jermaine of those Johnson, guys, Jermaine yeah. Johnson, kind of one of those younger uh, rookies coming out. If you can make up for that that skill set there and and get some different assets for him, I think he's a guy that you can move on from. So really, it's it's Kendricks to me on on the on defensive the defensive side. side. Yeah. What uh, you probably have so obviously say, Chris. I, my question for you is from a wide receiver standpoint, we've got in very interesting predicament. I think a good predicament on our hands. You've got Irv Smith, who was out all last year with a groin injury. Mm-hmm. You've got uh, Amir Smith-Marset, who is unproven. Mm-hmm. You have uh, KJ Osborne, who I think took a solid step last year. Definitely did. Yep. Yep. Then you have the veteran Adam Thielen, who's coming off a relatively major uh, ankle injury. Then you obviously have JJ. Mm-hmm. And then you're talking about looking at the draft board. Like you have you know, players in the second round who I would be very intrigued to draft. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. That's a, we have a lot of, we have like quite a few pass catchers who are like, I would feel solid going into the season with. Do you think we should see, that was kind of my point of, Hey, let's see how this thing plays out. I don't know. Like if you draft it, right like, or do you think, I think absolutely. You should look into drafting a wide receiver. I mean, if you yeah. think about the offense that Kevin O'Connell is bringing from the Rams, they run 85% 11 personnel last year. You also, you also saw in the Super Bowl last year what the Rams offense turned into when OBJ went down. Sure. You need depth, depth at yeah. the wide receiver position. Mm-hmm. I don't – I think, obviously, J.J., Thielen, K.J. is a good start. Mm-hmm. But if you add a Jamison Williams, you mm-hmm. add, um, let's say, a Jahan Dotson, mm-hmm. you know, you add any of these guys, Drake London, you add Draylon yeah. Burks, any of these guys who maybe bring a different skill set mm-hmm. that Justin Jefferson – um, doesn't have maybe uh, a T Higgins type, like someone sure. who's a red zone target, yeah. like a Drake London or a Traylon sure. Burks, um, more so Drake London, T yeah. Higgins yeah. comparison there yeah. than, than Traylon Burks. I know he can do a little bit more, um, and has a little bit more speed, but like, or Jamison Williams who can just absolutely take the top off yeah. the defense. Yeah. So I think the biggest thing is, is bringing in different skill sets into the wide receiver room. And I think having depth at that position is something that, uh, is very, very important. And then I also think that with, you know, analytical based front office um, with Kwesi and then also with O'Connell, 
the wide receiver position definitely impacts winning more than other areas. So I could sure. see that yeah. them prioritizing that position more than mm-hmm. let's say a linebacker or a safety or, or running back or even running back. Yeah. So True. I, I think you absolutely take best player available, especially if there's a wide receiver. And, and personally, I would love to see Jameson Williams. I think that'd be a great fit here. The running back room uh, very realistically could uh, look completely different in one season. Totally. Alexander Madison's gone. Yeah. Dalvin could be traded or gone. Sure. Um, so I guess he technically has to be traded because he's under contract. But um, there's a, that's a super interesting point. I haven't. I guess I haven't thought about that to where obviously it's wide receiver position. Robert Woods and OBJ were hurt and Higby mm-hmm. was hurt and they still won the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. Right. So that just complements that point of like how important depth is. And if somebody's there for the taking, like the worst, God forbid, the worst thing that happens is you have a crazy good competition and training camp and then you come out with the season with hopefully Irv is healthy because I really do still believe in Irv and then you have three crazy good pass catchers yep. who can get open on a consistent basis which is only going to help your offensive line because then you don't have to hold on the ball for that long so it's a nice ripple effect and I that's something I didn't uh, necessarily think about so that's a very good very very good point it's just it's we we took players the past couple seasons in the mid rounds that I'm like I really just want to see what they're made of but yep. To your point, Danny, like that's what the film is for, and that we kind of know what they are made of. And if the if the GM says, "Hey, like this, they would this might be a better scheme fit for them in this offense or this defense," versus oh gosh, we are looking at this film and this is not what we want out of this player, specifically with this three four or whatever this hybrid defense, uh, then you have to move on kind of immediately. So I'm just intrigued. I. I guess that transition. My next question is: When the heck are we going to start making moves or like making signings? Yeah, that that was a, a a question. I think PA had brought up, or I can't remember who who it was. Local radio uh, here in the Twin Cities. What is Quasi's first move? Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. what is that first move going to be? Who is it that he's going to sign, or is is it going to be a trade that that takes place? But what is that first move? And I, I think, in my opinion, across the NFL you have to wait for the number 12 domino to fall. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. I, I think that's exactly what has it. to happen first mm-hmm. is, is Aaron Rodgers has to make a decision on his future before other teams start making their decisions on what they're doing this year. Absolutely. Um, or going to their plan B. 100%. If you're the Broncos, yep. if yep. you're the Steelers. Exactly. Plan B at quarterback. Exactly. And so I, I think, you know, we're hearing that it could be coming in in the next few days here, as far as a decision being made where he's mm-hmm. going to play. If he's number one, if he's going to play, number two, where that's going to be. And I I, I really do think that that domino has to fall, uh, which you know that's been beneficial for the Vikings, where they've been able to now take time in in the film room, see what they have. quasi uh, has been able to go to the combine. O'Connell's been able to go to the combine. They can see what guys are coming out. They can understand the free agents that are on the market. Um, but I do think you need that first domino to, to really fall, and, and then things will start to fall into place there. But as far as first moves and, and, and what you're going to do, it's I mean, it, it, it's so wide open right now. And, and I think the, the cap numbers on this team are so interesting that, you know, I do think you're going to see some trades happen. Mm-hmm. And it may not be the value that we want right now, uh, but long term and and the building uh, of this organization is what you're really looking for, and you might be able to see that in some of these trades coming up. Very good point. With, so just for the audience' sake, today is March Sunday, March sixth, 
free agency, I believe, starts on the 14th, so in just uh, eight days here. And I think I, I really think everything Rodgers has said um, really shows that he wants to make a quick decision and be somewhat – now he doesn't want to give any favors to Green Bay, but I think he kind of realizes that he's a massive, massive puzzle piece in the whole free agency uh, like picture, if you will. So I think he wants – you know, and and the sooner the better for him because then he can Green Bay can kind of scope out some targets of where they want to trade him if that's if that's a thing. So we'll see. Aaron Rodgers, big piece. I'm excited. I think I have if he gets if he's out of this division, I think it's. Uh, I was just about to ask, tasty. how do you guys feel that that decision impacts the Vikings specifically? If he, like, how do you feel like if he leaves? Do you think that? Um, Kwesi and KOC are going to be more aggressive and try to win now? Or do you think if he stays, do you think they're thinking long game? Like we can essentially not, you know, put all of our marbles in the basket this mm-hmm. year because we know that our roster isn't at a spot where we can compete with Green Bay with Rodgers coming back? Or where do you guys think their head's at as far as how his decision impacts you know, how we're going to build the team this year and how we're going to view this year? I think if you just look at rosters alone, Aaron Rodgers leaves the division. I think with Aaron Rodgers leaving, I think that also means probably Devontae Adams is, is right. leaving or, or wanting out, even if he gets tagged there, which it sounds like they're less inclined to, to tag him this year. It could be a sign-and-trade type deal, which you see more in the NBA, but you right. know, who knows, that that could happen with uh, with Adams. Looking at just uh, the, the full rosters then, the Vikings have a much better standing roster than Detroit and a much better standing roster than than Chicago in my mind. I think Chicago has some really nice pieces and some young mm-hmm, pieces that sure. they can be a contending team in this division. But with Rodgers out, I think the it's the Vikings division to lose. And if you're Kevin O'Connell and you see what just happened in LA where you're going to trade away maybe next year's piece or the following year's piece to win right now and to get everything you can out of this season right now. I think you have to do that. And and you know that by sacrificing 23 and 24 picks, younger guys, whatever that might be, with Rodgers out of the division, you can still kind of work your way back to mm-hmm. compete by 25 if you go all in this year. Mm-hmm. And I think you're, you're not going to be in a spot where that's not a rebuild. Um, you're going to bring in veteran guys. You're going to have guys that are, you know, 27, 28, 29 years old that you're bringing in. So they're not going to just retire in two years anyway. But with, with him out, you I think you have to go for it. You yeah. have to make a charge this year uh, to try and, and get over that hump to win everything. Mm-hmm. What position group do you think we need to address the most on this team? From a talent standpoint or a, or a contract standpoint? Mm. We'll go, I guess we'll go talent first. I think talent standpoint, you you've got to look at your secondary. Okay. Um, and that would be your you know safeties and and corners. Um, the the front seven, at least the the guys that are on roster right now, Donatel's deal is he wants to pressure, he wants to set edges and 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 make life really really hard for the quarterback. With the guys that we have on the roster right now, I think you can do that. In the secondary, though. If our pass rush doesn't make it, which our pass rush was vastly improved last year from from the year before, if your pass rush doesn't make it, who do you have on on the back end right now? 
And I think that's, that's what makes me most nervous is I'd be totally okay getting that corner in the first round. If it's, you know, a sauce Gardner, if it's a, a Stingley, uh, maybe McDuffie in, in, uh, you know, if you trade back a little bit, but I think you need guys in the secondary that are going to help this defense kind of take it to the next level and not give up all of these points at the end of halves. So I think talent wise, you have to address the secondary. I think it's the obvious one at, at the roster one is, is the quarterback spot to me. Yeah. I mean, if you, if you get rid of Harrison Smith from that secondary, I mean, it's, it's pretty scary. Oh yeah. How, yeah. how bad that, right. that group is going to be, mm-hmm. um, especially with, with, you know, Patrick Peterson potentially being gone as well. Um, that, that'd be, you know, one of the worst units um, in all of football at, at the cornerback um, safety spots. But um, yeah, I, I think for, for me, um, it's, it's defensive end for me. Um, and, and that could be, I guess, not specifically defensive end, but defensive line. Yeah, um, sure. I think, yep. you know, there's various ways you can generate pressure, whether it's inside or outside, um, on the defensive line. And, and then I think Danny already kind of alluded to it. Um, you know, the defensive line is going to help your secondary by how much pressure they're able to get on the quarterback. So mm-hmm. I think, um, next to having a shutdown corner, having, you know, a defensive end who is going to just wreak havoc in the backfield and, and put pressure on the quarterback, um, you know, is, is going to impact winning more than anything, um, especially on the defensive side of the ball. So if, if I was, um, you know, the GM of the Vikings or if I was Quasey, I would, uh, address, like Danny said, either the cornerback spot, um, you know, if I thought sauce or Stingley were generational, uh, shut down corners, or I would go ahead and, and get that, um, edge rusher to, you know, compliment Daniel Hunter or potentially replace him if you decide to move on and, and take a trade with him. Yep. Right now, under contract, our cornerbacks are as follows. Chris Boyd, Perry Nickerson, Miles Dorn, Harrison Hand, Cam Bynum, who's cornerback safety hybrid, and Cameron Dantzler. And then you could consider Bynum as a safety as well, along with, and then Harrison Smith, obviously, and then Josh Metellus. So those are the signed, our signed, that's our signed secondary right now. Uh, Definitely scary. Yeah. Don't want to, don't want to repeat those names, to be honest. Uh, and then I feel I, really bad if, if you're rolling yeah. into, oh my God, yes. right, to training camp with that unit. And, but yeah, and, and you're going into a, a season with a completely new defense, which is also something you consider. Right. Because that's something. Fits. Yeah, we haven't done a defensive overhaul from a coaching or player perspective in years. Seven years, yeah. Yeah, in seven years. So that's going to be very interesting how the players respond to that, um, how they fit in the new scheme. So, yikes. Yeah, we need secondary help pretty immediately. Uh, obviously, a pass rush helps them. Mm-hmm. Uh, like having great wide receivers helps the offensive line because uh, that means they're going to get open a little quicker, and that means they don't have to block for that long. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, I, that, that leads obviously into the draft. Um, is there anything you guys wanted to touch on with the Vikings before we go to the NFL draft? No, I, you mentioned the, the culture piece early on. I just kind of noting that one more time and, and uh, you know, I think all of us are huge on, you know, we watch the press conferences and we, we love those sound bites and things that, that we take out of it. But the, the words that are, are kind of preached over and over with this is, is that communication, that collaboration. And then Questy's big thing is building consensus. And that obviously comes through collaboration and communication there. And so those, those pieces really excite me where, 
you have a front office and a coaching staff that are going to be all in together on whatever direction we go. And it may not be the direction that we talk about right now, but it's what they believe. And that's why they're in those positions and we aren't. It's what they believe is, is the best suited option for you to create a championship caliber team. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'm super, super excited about this culture and, and, and what, what both Kwesi and, and Kevin O'Connell are going to bring to this team. I'm pumped. I'm pumped. I'm excited for some uh, dominoes to fall. You know, mm-hmm. I'm excited for that first tweet. Be like, oh my God, yeah. we signed him to an extension. Or, uh, yeah, it's going to be really, really interesting to just see how how they, you know, act on their words, you know, how they preach, you know, collaboration culture, mm-hmm. um, building consensus communication, as Danny said, and how that translates into uh, roster building. Yeah. And, um, you know, how their backgrounds, um, especially Quasi's, you know, being analytical, how that is is going to impact his decision-making. Really interested to see how that plays out. So on the in the same breath that we were talking about before regarding secondary, do you gentlemen have a number one slash number two for the Vikings? We have, just for the audience sake, uh, the Combine – is happening for the for the cornerback secondary group that's happening today um and i don't think there's going to be a ton of movement i think all of them are kind of proving themselves to be as athletic as advertised and uh, derek stingley jr i believe is only participating in his pro day um i think from what i've read stingley ahmad sauce gardner and trent mcduffie are the top three would you, if specifically Sauce Gardner or Stingley were there at 12, would you nab them? Yeah, I would 100% pull the trigger. I think I think Stingley to me is, you know, potential all pro uh, kind of a year in year out guy. Um, Sauce Gardner to me, uh, I, I'm, I'm getting like Trayvon Diggs vibes from him a little bit. Mm. Uh, so he didn't give up any touchdowns while he played at, at Cincinnati. Um, now, Cincinnati, a group of five team, uh, you know, some folks might say, well, you know, who are the receivers that he played? Oh, I mean, look what he did when he matched up against, um, you know, the, the big timers in the college football playoff. Mm-hmm. So I, I think Sauce is, a, to me, it's, it's Sauce Gardner number one and then Stingley number two. And I think part of the, the Stingley number two piece is he fell off a little bit at the tail end of last season. Um, there's some injury pieces there that, you know, which is why he's jumping in to do his, his pro day and just focus on that. Um, but if either of those guys are there, I would jump on them at 12. Don't trade back. Just get these guys and, and move on. I think you need to be able to set yourself up for success you know, through free agency first though. Mm-hmm. And if, if they decide that, all right, it's not going to be Stingley or it's not going to be sauce or think maybe those guys aren't going to be there and, and we don't want any of these other corners, you know, the top end corners, mm-hmm. um, they better address that in, in free agency here. So I'm more curious to see are, are in free agency, are the bikes going to address O-line or are they going to address corner and then that'll really tell us what they're going to look at in the draft makes sense like bringing up bringing back pat p yeah i would love that if you bring back Uh, pat p bring back mac alexander guys that have been around again it's it's hard to say like oh let's bring them back because you know it's it's sort of a different scheme that we're jumping into 
Uh, but if they're guys that fit that scheme and, and are comfortable with the players here, that's the other thing is that it's huge to, to have those relationships with the players already. So you come in you, that culture building, it's, you know, we're doing this together as, as a group from last year and it's not needing to understand who this guy is and how they play and how they communicate things like that. So I was just going to say, speaking of, and speaking of that, Danny, uh, I mean, one person I know would be pretty damn happy if we drafted him, uh, Derek Stingley Jr. is, is Justin Jefferson, mm-hmm. right? And seeing them go back and forth, it would yeah. only help both of them. Right. Um, so that's actually, that gets me, that gets the blood. Although I wonder if, if JJ's a little uh, a little pissed off at him for saying that Jamar Chase is the toughest wide receiver <laughs> in his face. Um, I think he can get past it, yeah. Yeah. Um, knowing the talent that Stingley is. But, um, between, between Chase and Jefferson, though, man, like, <laughs> yeah. LSU, that 2019 LSU team. Oh my those practices gosh! And Joey B's throwing the ball. Yes, around. I mean how how good that team was, and and you know we 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 all do dynasty football and and are and are big in that. That's why we love the draft and why we love a lot of this football stuff. The fact that you have the two 2019 starting receivers for the LSU Tigers, they are probably your one and two dynasty receivers moving forward. I mean that is wild that they came from right. the same team there and a top three quarterback oh i, I think so top, at least yeah. top five yeah. you know which is just absolutely absurd yeah what are if you guys uh if sports betting was legal in minnesota and i gave you odds as far as what position groups what two position groups we will draft address with our first two picks or two maybe first two out of three picks. Sure. What are the odds? What percentage are you comfortable with in saying that we'll address the defensive line and the secondary? I think I think that's your highest I think one. Those are locks for yeah. the first two out of three. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I and think... then I'd also wouldn't be surprised with a wide receiver. Sure. So like so and here's then... here's my question. Would let's for some weird reason, let's say we have a really good situation where we trade back. Okay. Mm-hmm. Traylon Burks mm-hmm. is a guy who has made a lot of uh, headlines recently because he is, they're saying he's like a bigger Debo Samuel. Sure. That's what mm-hmm. I'm reading. Yep. Would, would you spend, should we, I guess maybe that's a better way to phrase it. Should the Vikings spend a first round draft pick on that? Or is it, Hey, these positions are so much more of need that we need to address them and then go with like a sky more or some, a secondary, a second day wide receiver that's yeah. talented as well. Um, I just don't know as far as like the quote unquote jump of like, sure. will Traylon be, you know, it's, it's hard. It's hard to make that call right now yeah. uh, because we don't know how the board will shake out at that point. Mm-hmm. Like if, if, if Traylon's your, the top guy on your board and you're sitting there at 24 and, and right. you know, he's there, yeah, go for it. Mm-hmm. I, that not only does that get you your guy, it gives you the fifth year option. You're you're able to move forward with that. And I think that's totally fine if if they made that jump. And obviously, if you trade back from twelve to twenty four, you make a couple moves to get back there. Yep. You're acquiring many more day two picks that can you know help you move up or or get other edge guys or corners or whoever it might be, secondary players that you you need in in uh, the draft there. So. It, to me, it's hard to just say, yeah, let's do that. Let's get him right away because we don't know how the board would shake out at that point or where we're actually going to draft him at. Mm-hmm. But if, if, if you have your top guy there, if it's, you know, we're going best player available and we've moved back and, mm-hmm. and have acquired picks, you know, day two, day three picks, yeah, go for it. Absolutely mm-hmm. jump on that and, and get an opportunity to, at a fifth-year option with these rookie deals. Oh, very good. Yeah, I, I think you absolutely pull the trigger on that if, if it's there. Um, 
and um, he's very highly rated on your board or speaking about any wide receiver that's very highly rated on your board and still available. I think where you get into problems is when you're reaching for positions of the need mm -hmm. um, in the draft for someone you may not have as highly rated just because you have a Justin Jefferson. If you look at the way the league is trending, you look at some of the most high-powered offenses, you look at where Kevin O'Connell comes from, you need two elite receivers mm -hmm. or at least very, very good receivers. And just because you have Justin Jefferson doesn't mean you shouldn't get another sure. really, really good player who's very high on your board mm -hmm. for five years yep. to compliment Jefferson. 100%. So I think um, if he's there and, and you're in love with him or you're in love with any other uh, receiver that's available, you know, after trading back, I think you absolutely got to, you know, pull the trigger. And then um, also that's what free agency is for. You you got to put some, some Band-Aids or address those needs ahead of time so that you aren't reaching mm -hmm. when it comes draft time for positions that, um, of need or where you don't have the most talent on the roster because that's where you run into issues and that's where the misses come into play. And yeah, depth is king, right? We yep. talked about that earlier. So you're, you can't always, you know, you don't, Justin Jefferson, who knows if he's going to play all right. 16, 17 games next year. Um, so having a, another potential wide receiver one on your team is crucial. So um, I am excited. Well, to your point, you need to make some solid moves free agents in free agency to set yourself up for success in the draft. And the more as time passes with, with signings for free agency and or releases and or trades um, on our current roster, the more it'll kind of show what where we're leaning with the draft coming up and what positions we're, we're targeting. I'm a big – I – we have drafted so many cornerbacks in our history that it's, I'm a little hesitant, but having those three guys that I named specifically uh, Gardner and Stingley, I, I'm pretty darn confident that they're going to be very successful in the league. Um, and then you have incredible depth in the trenches on both sides yeah, and both sides of the trenches. So um, yeah. I'm I, it, so I hear you on like, yeah, we've drafted so many corners. You know, it's hard to say that this and that, whatever about it. I think the one piece that that Viking fans, uh, I, you know, media, whatever. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna tell the media what to do, but you also have to understand that yes, we've drafted a lot of corners in, in the last seven years, uh, first, second round, third round picks. This is a new evaluating staff. This is a new player personnel staff. So when they evaluate guys, we can't go back and say, mm -hmm. hey, we've we've gotten all these guys and they never panned out before well yeah you're right but these are new eyes looking at it and if this guy says hey this is the guy we need to bring in i'm going to trust that this is the guy we need to bring in and, and we're not making that same mistake over and over again so as much as you know yeah it would it would suck to have another bust first round you know yeah. uh corner like it, it's hard to to judge that right now when we have new guys looking yeah. at the tape and and you know, allowing their decisions to be made. Yeah, we can't let our past failures dictate our quote-unquote future successes or just our, our opinions in the future. Like if someone's there, but yeah. you're like, oh, God, we, I don't want this to happen again. Right. That's Tyler Linderbaum. Yeah. Yeah, yeah <laughs> right. exactly. Yeah. It makes you hesitant uh, just a little bit to pull that <laughs> trigger. But to your point, have confidence in your eyes and your scouting staff. And if it's there, then you got to trust it. So. Right. I feel like you, you see the same types of things with – players who are coming out of similar schools to past yeah. first round bus. Sure. Sure. So um, I can't think of an example off the top of my head yeah. right now, but there's, there's been times where certain players get labeled as, as something for coming out of the same school as right. another player. I mean, Ohio, Ohio state quarterbacks. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. 
Yeah. Now on to our, I'm not our necessarily, my favorite part of the segment, one that I pretty much do every day, which is kind of a mock draft for not only the Vikings, but for certain teams I think could really turn around their franchise in one draft, which is unusual um, in a lot of years. Like, for example, I don't think, I don't, I can't really tell you the last time one team has had two picks in the top eight. And that would be the New York Giants this year. Um, the New York Jets can really turn their franchise around. Um, the Philadelphia Eagles have three first round picks. So you got a lot of, you got a few teams that if they, they hit some home runs early, you could definitely see them compete earlier than expected in years to come. The Vikings have the 12th pick, and there's opportunity for us to get someone who potentially slides a little bit. We could take advantage of trading back, um, specifically if Malik Willis falls to us at 12, or excuse me, falls to the 12th spot. You could have you know a team trade up for a quarterback. Right now we're going to go through our quote-unquote faves, if you will, favorites of the NFL draft, who we like in general, and then kind of who we like for the Minnesota Vikings. Should I should I start, gentlemen? Go for it. Okay. Yeah. I would say my top picks for picking at 12. If we're staying at 12, I would say my top picks, realistically, I'm not going to just say, you know, Kyle Hamilton, but um, people who I could see somehow following to us at 12. I think Kayvon Thibodeau, there's a small, small chance. Someone's always got to fall. He was the consensus one or two pick a couple months ago, a few months ago. And now he's falling a little bit because people are testing really well and so on and so forth. So he would be my, he would, he would be the biggest shock if he were to fall to one, uh, 1.12 and we picked him. I would love that uh, specifically opposite Daniil would be very, very scary Terry for uh, opposing offenses. The next person would be Trevon Walker, who absolutely murdered the NFL combine did really well and specifically in a three, four defense, which it sounds like we are transitioning to as a defense, he would be superb. And the third would be sauce Gardner for our secondary. And as a cornerback, I may have chosen players who you guys love as well. Um, <laughs> but sticking right, at, my sticking, at right. <laughs> sticking at 12, are there any other names who you think or who you would love to see us pick at 12? I think guys that have some some upside at 12, uh, especially, and, and I really lean defensively. I think this this draft and, and the top end of this draft has a lot more defensive talent. Um, a guy that could be at 12, I, I don't think, just based off of his his combine and how, how well he performed is Jordan Davis, uh, D-tackle out of, out of Georgia. I think he's a guy that, you know, potentially could be at 12. There's, you know, a chance if, you know, teams want to trade up and get quarterbacks or, you know, there's a string of, of edge rushers that, you know, they want to go after. But Jordan Davis would be one that I think, uh, you know, there's potential of him at 12. And, and that would be a guy to just get him, put him right at that that nose tackle for you, um, allow him to just be super quick inside, uh, play two gaps, and, and, and consistently take on double teams. So, Jordan Davis would be one for me. Uh, Jermaine Johnson uh, is, is another guy out of Florida State. He's actually a local guy, uh, went to Eden Prairie High School. And I think he would be someone that 
there's, I think there's, there's definite potential he'll be there at 12. I, I don't think that's a question. I think he's probably someone that if there was a trade back opportunity, you mentioned a team wanting to go after a quarterback. If a Malik Willis, a Ritter, uh, you know, Sam Howell, any of those guys are there at 12, mm-hmm. there's some high potential that we could trade back, you know, maybe at 18 with the Saints uh, who want to move up and get one of those guys. And then you grab a guy like a Jermaine Johnson, who I think can be really, really nice off the edge in that outside linebacker position. And he was a lot quicker than I thought he was going to be uh, testing at the combine with a 4.5840, I believe it was. Uh, so he's someone that's there. The last guy that I think is is interesting I, there's been a lot more um, coming out about him, about you know potential fit for the Vikings is David Ojabo out of Michigan, uh, another edge rusher, um, defensive end, outside linebacker type. Uh, he's getting comparisons as far as like a, a draft profile to a Cliff Averill, mm-hmm. uh, which mm-hmm. would be really nice to, mm-hmm. to grab someone like that on the outside, 6'4", 250. Uh, he ran a 4.55 at the combine for his 40 as well. So um, Ojabo, Johnson, uh, and and Jordan Davis would really be the three that if we got one of them first round, I I would walk away very, very pleased with how they approached it. Yeah, um, you guys definitely touched on a few different guys that, <laughs> that I um, had in mind. And uh, it's tough going third in this little, uh, <laughs> little mock draft um, thing here we got going. But um, I would be remiss if I didn't talk about the third Georgia defensive lineman who's likely to go um, in the top 15 to 20 picks, Devontae Wyatt. Um, I know Jordan Davis kind of stole the show last night, um, and Trayvon Walker also performed very well, but so did um, Devontae Wyatt very, very admirably. I know um, he had some very good testing scores as well. I think he ran pretty close to what Jordan Davis did at almost 300 pounds. Um, I think this is a guy who can get interior pressure as well as even rush on the outside if you need. Um, so I think he would help and run support as well as give us uh, an interior rush that we've kind of been lacking and I think is almost uh, more important than an outside rush nowadays because quarterbacks with an outside rush, they can still step up in the pocket and make plays. But um I think with an interior rush, you're really hindering that ability for quarterbacks to move up in the pocket and really make them uncomfortable, especially ones that are not mobile. Um, Another guy I'm looking at is Derek Stingley. Um, Coming out of the 2019 college football season, most would have pegged him as a top three lock, potentially the best uh, player in that draft. But a couple injury uh, riddled season in the COVID year, uh, things have gotten a lot murkier. Um, if you're if you're willing to bet um, on the 2019 season and that's the player that you're getting, I think 12 is <laughs> incredible value for for that. And could we could be looking um, looking back on this draft and looking back on Derek Stingley falling out of the top 10 as just uh, highway robbery, True. basically. Um, if you if you believe that that 2019 Derek Stingley was was him, and then. I think the last player I'm going to bring up because I'm enamored with him um, and it's not on the defensive side of the ball. And as a possible, I, I don't know if I'd go and take him at 12, but I would probably trade back is uh, Jameson Williams from Alabama. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's wide receiver one for me. Um, I just think, you know, watching him all season, um, how explosive he is. Um, and you pair that with a guy like Justin Jefferson. Um, I think teams are going to be a little, 
sleeping on him a little bit just because of the injury in the national championship. I think if he doesn't get injured in the national championship, Alabama potentially wins that game, mm-hmm. and you're looking at him as a top 15 lock, potentially yeah, top, top 10, 10 pick. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I think that's incredible value if you're able to pick up another day two pick and then get him to help uh, with Justin Jefferson and, and add to that wide receiver group. What's interesting with with Williams uh, especially is, you know, another first-round wide receiver out of Alabama last year that had an injury had probably the second-best rookie wide receiver year this year in, in Jalen Waddell. Right. I have to believe that Jamison Williams is going to drop on draft boards uh, just purely based off of that injury – and then a team's going to get him, and he's going to be a guy that's a wide receiver one, two type, you know, throughout his entire career. I think um, he's getting some comparisons to like Will Fuller right. uh, type, which Will Fuller coming when out healthy. was, yeah, yeah, when healthy. I mean, that guy can fly, and and he's a guy that takes the top off a of defense, allows someone like a Justin Jefferson to work underneath. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, you think if, if you had. You know, Jameson Williams, Adam Thielen, Justin Jefferson as your three wide receivers that you roll out every week, that's absurd. Yeah. Because that gives you Thielen who does, you know, underneath stuff so well, that middle tier to Justin Jefferson, and then obviously Jefferson can take it deep as well. And then if you just need to, play action, chuck it up to Jameson, let him yeah. go run after it, and, and that guy can be really, really nice. So I, I agree with you. I think I think Williams is to me, he's not my wide receiver one. Um, just because I think they're from his, his route tree, uh, and, and the things that he can run, we've seen him run, you know, over the top, he's definitely shifty and can work underneath. I'd like to see him be, you know, that kind of guy that can work, um, a little bit more across mm-hmm. the middle. He is six one. He's about 185 pounds. So he definitely he's, has he's the body than, type yeah. to do it. Yep. Um, you know, he's, he's not like a Devante Smith coming out last year that you were a little bit more nervous about that. Yeah. Um, so he definitely has the body type to be able to do it, but wanting to just see that um, that full route tree come out. And and I I say this, and I'm always the guy that's like, don't look at the route tree of a player. Like, just take him. They can yeah. work him. Um, Keenan McCardell, our, our you know, wide receivers coach, who was retained from the, the previous regime, is, is someone that develops wide receivers really, really well. And, and obviously we see that in Justin Jefferson. Um, but I, I think Williams is a guy that will probably be there late first if you trade back. Um, another guy that would be a pretty sexy pick for the bikes to get right and you, and you think about he's not going to get the the toughest matchup on defense right that's like what's he's wild gonna yeah. Get, yeah he's going to get their second best defender because right. jefferson's going to take the number one guy so all the pressure's off him and if he gets the second best then you got feeling on on a you know a, safety nickel yeah. tight like go for it you right. know and then you think like if he slides in the draft obviously that that would mean he's probably going to end up in a better situation. So you think mm-hmm. fantasy dynasty wise, sure, this could be the best thing for his career. Honestly, you know, you hate to get injured, but it could be the best thing situationally mm-hmm. for him to not have to go to a struggling team right away and go to a winning team uh, where he can make an impact right away. Very good point. One thing that's interesting, I think about this draft is I don't know how many times this has happened in years past where you have so many top athletes and players who are of the same position group on the same from the same team, specifically Georgia and Michigan. Mm-hmm. Like you yeah. have literally three defensive linemen from Georgia who will most likely go in the first round, and then you have two in Hutchinson and Ojabo from Michigan who will go in the first round. Right, mm-hmm. like that. I, I don't know. I'm 
I would dare to say that's not that doesn't happen very often. It doesn't, but <laughs> look at the college football playoff and who yeah. were you know yeah, right. teams that were right up there at, at yeah. the end of it all. And, yeah. and you got Georgia and, and Michigan and, and how much the trenches mm-hmm. uh, were such a big part of what they did defensively. Yeah. Even Cincinnati, like the talent that, that yeah. they're bringing yeah. to the NFL draft, it may not all be first round talent, but right. Sauce Gardner, mm-hmm. IJ Sanders, Ritter, yeah. yep. Jerome Ford. Mm-hmm. Running back, yeah. Pierce, wide the wide receiver. You can go out to Washington. You look at their corners out in Washington yeah. with McDuffie and Kyler Gordon. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, there's there's a lot of these position groups. I think part of that we talked about the LSU receivers before. I think part of it is when you have a a culture uh, like that where you can develop each other and, and heighten each other. Um, and I think a lot of players are making those connections early. Where if I go to Georgia we could tear it up together, us right. three up front. We can do this together, and, and all of us are going to get noticed right. uh, by doing this. So I, I think there is a little bit more of that coming. And there's I, That's a good point. You, you could have a lot of Georgia guys taken in this first round. I mean, you could have five, six Georgia guys taken in this first round here, which would be, um, you know, they're national champions. That, that's what they should be doing. That's so. a great point with, like, the transfer portal and stuff. Yep. Usually, um, you know, in certain situations where the depth chart's pretty crowded, yeah. you see guys transfer and, and right. try to uh, avoid the competition yep. and, and, you know, uh, you know, opportunities where they, they might not get playing time that yeah. they, they'd like, but this is a perfect example with Georgia where, right. um, you know, we have three defensive linemen who play different positions on the line, but they're, they're interchangeable mm-hmm. and, um, they definitely got less playing time because they all play on the, on the line together, but they're all going to be top 20 picks still. But then you also have situations like Jamison Williams, where he transferred from Ohio State to Alabama because he wanted to be the guy, mm-hmm. and it worked out for him. So it's, it's just interesting how you know certain, certain situations um, work out and, and some don't, and it really just depends. Right. The last name of a guy, just to watch because I'm super curious about him, he's been rising – uh, based off of his his combine performance uh, and kind of his his flexibility, his versatility between the the tackle uh, guard pos- position is Trevor Penning uh, out of University of Northern Iowa. Uh, he is, I think, he ran a four nine one on his forty. Uh, he's six seven three twenty five. Uh, he's got comparisons as far as playing style to Riley Reef. Uh, as far as his size, kind of Demeter to John Runyon. Uh, so here's someone that, you know, kind of like what Ezra Cleveland was, mm-hmm. someone you can bring in if you're looking for that guard tackle swing type, someone you need to plug in at either one of those positions. Uh, look out for for Trevor Penning being someone that could jump on draft boards and maybe get drafted ahead of where folks initially think he could be, which is probably the latter half of the first. But because of that versatility, he might be that that first, you know, quote unquote, interior lineman that's taken um, just because they know they can also pop him out wide if needed. Another uh, uh, to our same team, same position group, Ohio State wide receivers. True. As well. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, this is it's going to be a fun first round. Uh, A lot of teammates will be drafted together. So uh, or drafted in the first round, I guess, at least so. I'm excited. Uh, a lot will change. Um, we'll probably we'll revisit this podcast in a month or so and see what names have maybe popped up into our quote unquote hot list and what names have maybe uh, fallen off. I'm, I'm yeah, I'm excited for a couple of these pro days. Stingley. I mean, it all is it's 
everything right now, the combine is obviously happening and you have, oh, these players are making massive splashes. And so everything will calm down in about a week. Mm-hmm. And then after the pro days, oh, this player's incredible. He's going right. to get drafted mm-hmm. in the top five. Like, yeah. After everything settles, it's it, that's what, why I'm so excited for the draft. We don't know. There aren't. You have the number one pick is literally not solidified, which True. is very that's rare. fun. That's yeah. super fun. And I think with with Jacksonville, Doug Peterson, new head coach, what they can do down there, uh, to me, I want to be able to to protect our franchise quarterback in Trevor Lawrence. Mm-hmm. So to me, it's an easy call of, you know, you go Evan Neal probably right off the bat and just say, I'm locking this one in. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, but you could go Hutchinson and and try and get that defense going. You could go with one of the other O tackles, mm-hmm. but it's going to be really, really fun to see how it how it plays out. And like you said, those pro days are are going to be great. It's going to you know create that hype even more. But over the next you know what do we got now? A month and a half until until the draft, roughly. Mm-hmm. There's going to be a lot of chatter going on, figuring out who's going to go one overall. We've got the the Aaron Rodgers domino that we're waiting to fall on the free agency side. So it, it's going to be an exciting off season here uh, for the NFL. Yeah, I think also to add, you could see what the Jags could do potentially in free agency. I know I've heard potentially Teron Armstead from yeah. Saints. Saints yep. You could lock him down to a big contract. Yep. And then you take Hutchinson with the first pick. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. that's that's incredible value for a pass rusher Very for true. five years yep. on a rookie deal. Yep. And then you've already solidified your left tackle spot. Then it's also just an, another side topic, or not side topic, but different topic than – um, the Jaguars is just where do these quarterbacks come into play in this draft? Mm-hmm. You know, we all just did three prospects that we love and none of us brought up a quarterback. Mm-hmm. And I feel like once the pro days happen, that's when the steam starts to pick up where, oh, you know, uh, Malik Willis is yep. potentially going to crack the top 10, top yeah. eight, or yeah. just Kenny Pickett top 10. So, yep. you know, from from a Viking standpoint and the players that we've talked about that we love, you know, maybe maybe Quasi and KLC do love one of these quarterbacks right. and they'll take them at 12. Yep. But it also benefits us if that's not the case yep. and some of these teams fall in love with them and, and start to pick them early and yeah. then we get one of the defensive guys that, that we really like. Yep. I think you said something earlier that I obviously got excited about because there's you said Jordan Davis – you were a little hesitant to say that he would get to us at 12 yep. based off of his combine performance. Just going through, like, that's why I think 12 is like 11 to 15 is such an interesting and intriguing area in this draft. Cause you have, like, I was going to kind of go through it with you guys. Like I could see, so real quick, I could, could you see Trent, Trent McDuffie? I've seen top 10. Seeing top 10 probably will be there at 12. Probably will be there at 12. Yep. Okay. Jermaine Johnson. I mean, he obviously ran well. Someone yep. could reach for him. Could reach, but I think he's another guy probably there at 12. Probably there at 12. Jordan Davis? I think he's probably top 10, but I mm-hmm. think there is potential that, yeah. you know, and, and a lot of that is probably just, just to what was being discussed is if a quarterback, right. you know, people get yeah. hyped on a quarterback or mm-hmm. if people get hyped on Trevor wanting, Charles yep, Cross. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Wanting wanting those O tackles and, and getting guys up early uh, to, to, you know, get a fifth year deal on an O tackle, which is huge in the NFL because those O tackles get paid so much. Yep. Uh, they might jump on, on an O tackle and then a guy like Jordan Davis slips. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Someone's that's my main point. Someone's got to slip. You have Garrett Wilson, yep. uh, who obviously maybe the next who I, I would assume Drake London's drafted before him. Um, you but think, I mean, yeah, yeah. you don't just, know. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you go back to the, to the Henry Ruggs year when, when yeah. he was taken and, yep. and Ruggs was taken so early, but that was a team need, and that's what right. the that's what the Raiders wanted at the time there, mm-hmm. and and so there's you know it, it 
no it's one so, thought CD Lamb was going to be there at eighteen. Exactly. No yep. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And, and that's what's wild. And or how does how does Jalen Rager go ahead of Justin Jefferson yep. back yeah. in that draft? You know, there's yeah. all of these things that happen that teams get you know enamored with one guy on the board and this next guy slips down and all of a sudden you've got a gold mine sitting in front of you or so we think right off the bat. I'm really interested to see what Philly does too. I mean, back to backs there, 15, 16, and yep. 19. Yep. It gives you the the flexibility to trade up. 100. If a guy you love is falling, right? Um, or there's yeah, yeah. If a guy you love is falling, or it gives you the flexibility to stand pat yep. and then get three incredibly good players right. in the right. middle of the draft or trade back. Yeah, exactly. It's just crazy that they have three picks in the first round and and let alone they're five picks apart. Yeah. If I mean, I think some guarantees. I mean, it's kind of hard to use that word, or I should be careful using that word. But since we're at 12, I think it's safe to say that Gardner and Stingley will be drafted in the top 12. The reason I say that is one of them will pick one of them if they drop to 12. I think so. And so I think one team will take one of them before 12. Sure. Um, I think three defensive linemen, I think, are going in the top 10. Um Hutchinson, ah, maybe not three. I think three, sorry. Do you think three offensive tackles are going in the top 10 with Icky, Evan Neal, and Charles Cross? Do you think they're, or, or could Charles Cross maybe drop to the teens? Cross, Cross could drop, I think. And that's why I bring up like a Trevor Penning. Penning yeah. could go, they, you know, yeah, yeah, within yeah. the top 10 there. So I think to answer your question, yes, mm-hmm. I think it's going to be at least three offensive tackles that are taken. Yep. I think you've got, you've got Icky, you've got Neil, sure. and then whoever that but, next okay. one is. So then you and have. I think if you look at the teams that are picking in the top 10, the Giants have two picks and the Jets have two picks. Yep. Both need yes, tackles. Definitely. I think that. Definitely. Then you have, I think, three rushers at least in the top ten: Hutchinson, Kayvon, and or Walker, Davis. Walker or Davis or Carlaftis. Yep. Like, I mean, there's that's there's gonna there's probably gonna be one edge rusher that we, Ojabo could jump into yeah. the top ten. I mean, yeah. remember when Cleveland Farrell went number four overall? Right. Yeah. And I was like, yeah. what is yeah. happening? Yeah. And then that's when you knew this is getting interesting. Yeah. It's gonna happen at some point. Uh, yeah. It's. And then you have Malik, yeah, Malik Willis is sitting there. Like, who is someone going to trade up for a quarterback? You don't know, right? Um, yeah, it's awesome. I'm I also heard the story that Mayock was like frantically trying to trade out of that spot. Or trade oh, down. and then they just and then they just were like, all right, yeah. he's the top kind of board and took him because they wanted to take him at like ten yep. or sure. or eight or sure. something, but that no one would trade they back jump up. He yeah. just took him. Does the NFL Network just sign him again? Just be like, come back, do your old job. Yeah. You and Rich Eisen, you were great. Come on. I don't know, because DJ is so good. DJ is too. really yeah. good. Yeah. Um, but I mean, they could, yeah. yeah. They it's going to be, there's so much. There's going to be, let's let's just put it this way. I'm pretty confident that there's going to be someone we did not expect to be there at 12 Man, to be there. I would bet. But it just so depends much on if Kwesi in the front office feels the yeah. same way we right. do or what we if we think right. that they think that about them, you know? Yep. If someone's so, willing to pay a hand and a foot for the twelfth pick, I, please do. Yeah, yeah. If you can go, I don't want to trade back to like mid twenties. But Steelers, come on up and get yeah. Willis if you want to give. You're us gonna have to pay first. me. You're gonna pay me quite a bit of money or so, but draft capital yeah. to yep. drop eight spots. Right. Yep. But I'm willing to listen. Right. You know, right. we're in a we're in a great great position. So, yeah. all right, that is it. Uh, we took roughly an hour and a half of your time, so appreciate y'all listening. Um, we will be back hopefully sooner rather than later. And if there's a couple things, I mean, obviously free agents happening, free agency is happening in a, a week or so. So we'll hopefully have a podcast with a little update after some Vikings moves and, uh, to celebrate, um, the first uh, couple moves of the new regime. So thank you guys for listening. Any, uh, parting 
messages for uh, no like i said this is audience. an exciting exciting off season i think especially for vikings fans it's, it's an exciting off season uh waiting for that first move to happen and um you know i think there's going to be some some chatter and some talking going on next week that'll uh really perk some ears mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah uh great pod um absolutely thrilled to be talking about all this stuff with you guys after a little bit of a hiatus um i've heard the rogers domino could fall as soon as tuesday um it's usually uh not the first day that they say so it's probably going to be a little bit after that but you know it's going to be really interesting to see what happens after that excited to see what the vikings do um you know coming up here leading into free agency and during free agency and excited to talk about how that that impacts uh the draft and uh our season coming up will he announce it will rogers announce his decision on the pat mcafee podcast I would say probably it's Maybe. a good chance. I would not be surprised. What by that. on his? Is it Tuesdays with Rogers? Yeah. Isn't that yeah. what he does? What? Yeah. So, Isn't he under contract with Rogers with Green the Bay. Packers? Yeah, he's um, not a free agent. I think they worked his contract to make him a free agent, or was it that they said that they would trade him if if you wanted to? I think. I mean, if he was a free agent, the Packers. Wouldn't have any leverage. Yeah, so yeah I, I think, think they would they have do. to trade. Well, they have they would have to trade him unless it would be a side and shine and trade. Correct. So, so yeah, I think you're right. I think he's he got a contract. he's got that potential out this year. He's mm-hmm. under contract, but he's got that potential out this year. And, okay. Uh, would basically tell you know tell the Packers, hey, I want to be traded. Yep. yep. Uh, and then mm-hmm. that allows them to to save on some dead cap then. So. And then that that <laughs> if that, if that happens. If that happens and you have a top 15 team trade for Aaron Rodgers, then the, you got to do so a whole new mock ma- draft. Is he making his decision out of courtesy for Devontae Adams as well? Because I think he's so. like, yeah. if I'm out, yeah. he obviously won't want to he, yeah. he won't want to sign the, the franchise tag. Correct. So I'm going to make my decision before you do that. Yep, 100%. A lot of good stuff, folks. A lot of exciting time of the year, even though football is more than like seven months away. It's fine. Um, all right. Thank you all. Hope everyone is doing well if you're listening to this. And we will see y'all next time.